What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of Conversations That Don't Suck. Right now, I'm uh, laughing to myself because a few people in my life have reached out to me to say some kind words about the podcast, which is super sweet. And one thing that a lot of people have shared with me is that they really enjoyed in the first episode, I believe, with Sarah Ness in the first conversation, um, how at the very beginning of that episode, I shared that I felt really awkward, like speaking into the microphone during these intros, uh, which is still true. And on that note, and everyone, well, everyone was saying like, oh, it's so nice to just like hear a little vulnerability and it was so relatable, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is great, but I really just can't overstate how uncomfortable this is. I don't know what it is, just like something so bizarre about speaking into a microphone all by myself and having to pretend like there's someone right next to me listening. There is not. No one is here. It's just me. So here we are and um, (laughs) just working on pretending like I'm comfortable doing these things. Um, But today's guest is the fabulous Zoe. Zoe Flammenbaum and Zoe is incredible. Zoe and I met when I was living in Israel and um, that's a fun fact about me that a lot of the people in my life actually don't know that in a past life I lived in Israel. Um, actually not so past. This is maybe four years ago that I was living there and uh, or one of, the, one of the points in my life that I lived in Israel and Zoe and I met at a yoga retreat um, which we get into a little bit in the episode and when I started learning about who she was and the work that she was doing, I don't know if you've ever had the feeling of like you find out about an organization or a person or something going on in the world and you just get like full body chills and are just blown away that something like this exists. Like that was the feeling that I got when I heard about what Zoe was doing in Tel Aviv and she runs an organization called School of Shine and she is bringing women together to be themselves and to find joy and community and comfort and love and it's so amazing what she's doing and once um, I was unfortunately not living in Tel Aviv while I was in Israel I was in Haifa which is in the north um, so it's it's a considerable distance for like foreign Israeli it's far away and um, anyone who has been to Israel or lived in Israel understands that like Tel Aviv to Haifa is like very far even though it's really only like an hour drive um, but anyways I was sad I couldn't be more involved in school school of shine while I was living in Israel, but uh, did get involved as much as I could and really enjoyed everything that Zoe put together. And just, I continue seeing all of the work that she's doing there in bringing women together in spaces of connection. And it's amazing. And um, is and that whole thing was born out of Zoe's desire to bring more connection into her own life. And she talks a lot about that. So we will get into the episode now. I'll say again that if it feels good to you to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes that will help other people find this podcast and find out about having better conversations and conversations that don't suck and uh, that's that's the hope for all of this so enjoy the episode with Zoe we live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection better conversations are our first step in getting there welcome to conversations that don't suck I'm your host, Kyla Sokol Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Hi, Zoe. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Kyla. So happy to be here. Yes. Thank you for connecting all the way across the earth, many, many miles away, all the way in Tel Aviv. <laughs> woo, woo. Yes. What's uh, What's been the theme of your day so far? It's already, your day has already passed. It's already 7 p.m. there. How's it yeah. going over there? What is the theme in Israel right now? 
Oh, well, it's the second night of Hanukkah. So, I mean, my specific theme has been rest and relaxation because I had a beautiful first night of Hanukkah event last night. Um, but I think that Israel is like in celebratory mode. Um, but it also doesn't really feel like Hanukkah because it's like it's like a beautiful, sunny, summery day. Um, I mean, now the sun has set, but today was a it was a gorgeous day. Oh my gosh, lovely! Yeah, it's so beautiful, just like how the whole country very literally lights up, and how nice that it gets to happen in summer, basically. <laughs> yes, even though I will say I I do miss being cold a little. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I enjoy the Middle Eastern weather, so. Yeah, the body is missing the seasons for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm actually thinking very specifically right now in this moment to like one of the first, uh, one of your first events that I ever went to, which was years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like sort of hoping you're going to mention a lot of the things that you mentioned then. But I just want to hear your side of like, who you are and the things that you are currently creating in your life. And then we can pick up wherever it is that you may not happen to dive into in the pieces that I remember hearing from you years ago when we first met. Sure. I mean, years ago, me is not today me, but um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm built on the same sort of values. So I think that's the the beauty of time. Um, Who am I and what am I creating these days? Uh, My name is Zoe. And my full name is Zohar, which means to shine. And um, I think that's like my basic of life. I run a school called School of Shine, and it's all about um, leadership development and women empowerment and creative expression and creating social impact um, and holistic well-being. So those are kind of the pillars of what I work with and my bridges of life that I'm standing on and creating around. Um, And really the reason or the inspiration behind me starting this initiative, um, which is basically like my heart, um, my heart work, let's say, um, is just my own, like I moved to Israel almost 10 years ago now and um, I had friends in many places, but I never really had like a group or a crew or a community. And I just, I, I really fell into this, this loneliness and it was really hard to connect with people. And even if I was connecting with people, um, it was really in a, on a surface level. Um, when you, mm-hmm. you move to Israel, you get asked like three questions, which is like, why are you here? What do you do? And where are you from? And, um, you know, there's only so many times you can answer those three questions and really like create a, a deeper kind of conversation. So I really um, I started just kind of inviting people to um, a bright side, let's say, to create a more positive space, to create more meaningful dialogue, um, to talk about shit that matters, basically, mm-hmm. um, especially and as women, you know, about school shadow started in. 2014. So even six years ago, um, we weren't talking back then what we're talking about now. Um, community, mindfulness, meditation, feminism, vagina, like these were not buzzwords <laughs> um, or words that were really like acceptable to talk about. So um, that's, uh, did that, does that answer your question? Did I say the things that I said back then? <laughs> yes. Many, so many good things to dive into there. Um <laughs> 
Well, one of the main things that I do remember you saying, actually, and this was, I guess, when was I living in Israel? Back in 2016. And mm-hmm. um, and I remember, it's funny, I guess we met at like a yoga retreat first at Ashley's yoga retreat in the desert. Ooh, wow. Do you remember that? Okay. Yeah. Was that in the desert or was that like in a field somewhere? <laughs> Um, more like field, actually. That is more yeah. accurate, which it makes it sound that. kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. I remember that. It was super amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was just like introduced to all these women. And it's funny because, yeah, I was living in the north of Israel in Haifa at the time and like disconnected mm-hmm. from all these incredible women in Tel Aviv, which isn't to say there aren't incredible women in Haifa, but I didn't know where any of them were. And <laughs> I remember meeting you and all the other incredible women there and being so blown away that like there were so many people, many of whom were expats in Israel like me, who were or like immigrants, however you want to define us, and who were creating all of these like communal spaces for women to gather. And mm-hmm. it blew me away. And I remember going to my first School of Shine event. And one of the things you said was that women are coming from all over the world and having all these different backgrounds and experiences. And our one thing in common is that we feel like we're not enough. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind. And um, <laughs> do you still do you still find that to be true with the women that come through to School of Shine and the women that you are meeting in general in in Israel? Um, that's a really great question. And I have to I have to say that yeah, it's true. It's like we exist in this perpetual um, like thought process that we're not doing enough, that we're not being enough, that we're not that we're just not enough, and. Um, You know, no matter what topic it's about, whether it's romance or whether it's career or money or even like self-love and personal development, like there's always more that we should we feel like we should be doing. So Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I do still have these conversations with these women. And I think also that's why a lot of my work has has focused more on like just body awareness and the present moment. Um, and like kind of, um, shifting our language around not being enough to, um, just creating space and time to be, and to just like Mm -hmm. feel present in your body and to like follow what feels good and really, um, connect on a, on a very like physical level. Um, so yeah, I, I do think. I think that it's kind of like a human condition, right? Especially we exist in a world where there's like, there's so much being thrown at us and there's so many opportunities and there's so many options and there's so many choices. And it's like, like it feels wrong to just be sitting in my couch on my living room doing nothing. Um, but I also think like, I mean, for me personally, as, as someone who always does and feels like she needs to do and exists in a state of do, it's also been a process for me to like, slow down and um just be and like be okay with that um so I've been through my own process also in the past you know but like that since that first event um where it's like I don't have to do everything I don't have to be everything I don't I can just like I can just be and um and and it is enough um so I think it's a it's a constant conversation that we're having with ourselves. Yeah, it it's really it really is crazy that that idea of enoughness is kind of the thing that underlies everything and mm-hmm. 
I mean, I feel like even talking about like the comparison game, it's almost I feel like I'm like in middle school again of like Mm -hmm. constantly comparing ourselves. And it's I was thinking this morning before we got on our call together about how you said this at this first event. And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know that I really like compare myself as much. And, you know, when I was I'm thinking back to like middle school or high school, Kyla, and thinking to like, oh, I used to compare myself in terms of like, oh, this girl has a, a shirt from Abercrombie and I don't shop at Abercrombie because I can't afford it and I'm jealous of her and she's better than me. And like, that was the type of comparison I was doing. Mm-hmm. And as you're speaking, I'm like, Kyla, you're so full of shit. You still do the comparison thing like all the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, it just looks different. Like I'm not necessarily thinking about people's clothing, but yeah, the amount of money someone has, how I, how well I think they're doing in their career, how happy I think they are in their relationship. And of course, that's all it is. It's like what we're assuming about people. Do you think that a lot of women come into your space and are able to easily like take those walls down and are able to take off those masks or to see one another on a more human level versus the status or the the mask we put on for each other? Hmm. I do. I do think so. Because I think that as long as like safe spaces are created for like to support vulnerability and to support openness and to support kind of like feeling safe to be yourself. Um, I think it, it's easy, especially if you're in a space of women. Um, you know, once you put a man in the room, it is totally different. And I, I would even think that it's also different between like where you are in, in California and where I am in Tel Aviv, where like our our cities are, are working at different frequencies, right? So, mm-hmm. but I do think that if there is space that is created to like host host being able to be yourself, um, which I think, if, which is like what I always needed, you know? Um, and so that's why I'm also doing the work that I'm doing because um, when I first moved to Israel, I didn't even know who me was. And of course I was mm-hmm. comparing myself to everyone else because that's also like, we're in this race to keep up with who I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I still have no clue. Um, so I do, and I do think also that what it takes is like, it takes like one person to be vulnerable to like open the space up to, because again, like if we're talking about the comparison game, then like you only like, like, uh, how do I say this? Like there's a a quote or something where it's like, you only, like, if you already, if you see an example of it, then you know that it's possible. But until you really like see an example of it, you don't know that it's possible. So that's why, um, you know, it's important to see um, disabled people walking on a runway to know that you can do it, too. And as soon as they see as soon as you see that and as soon as you, you connect that, then you're like, oh, I could do that same thing, too. Does that make sense? Is what I'm talking about making sense in terms of like, um, I don't know, like we we're the only ones who limit ourselves in terms of who we are. I'm curious because you came to Israel and you weren't finding this community and connection in the way that you were craving it. And then you decided to take things into your own hands and to create it yourself. Do you think that has been equally as satisfying? Well, no, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question most Mm -hmm. accurately. Like sometimes when we're, when we're the ones who are creating the thing that we need, um, for other people, like essentially you're creating it for other people, which isn't to say that you don't also get to benefit from the awesomeness of it because you do. Mm-hmm. But I've spoke with someone else recently. We we're talking about how leadership can be really lonely and it's not quite the same as being the participant in the room when you are always being the leader. 
Um, have you had that experience at all of like, you're creating this space for other women all the time. Um, but do you feel like you're always getting nourished in exactly the way that you need? And are there other spaces or relationships that you look to in order to get that amount of connection without having to be like the one who's in charge? I think it's a really great question. Um, because, you know, like the reason why I created this was community was for meaningful connection and to um, create new kinds of conversations. Uh, and there was a point, I think actually recently and like maybe in the past year or so, um, where I was like, wait a second, like, I'm doing all of this work for everyone else. But I'm not, I'm not like, there's no like reciprocative action, like I'm not, I'm not getting nourished. Um, and leadership is lonely. And yeah. um, especially when you know, there's a difference when you're creating a space and hosting a space versus like being able to be involved and actually participate in that space. And um, it's it's two different journeys completely. And I realize also that that's kind of why um, in the past year or so I've started like, um, can I curse on this? Oh, for sure. Okay, great. So my... <laughs> So my past year mantra has basically been like, slow the fuck down because I'm the kind of person that like has an idea and I'm like, okay, let's do it without really thinking about like the step-by-step process that goes in. So I, I was putting in all of this energy to create these things, but I wasn't like receiving anything in return. And that's also, that's my own fault because I wasn't, I wasn't seeking it or I wasn't realizing it or I wasn't. I wasn't bad. So my past year has basically um, been spent slowing the fuck down, being very focused in what I create. Um, Also like entering and seeking new spaces that nourish me. You know, I love that there's so many different kinds of like women's circles and um, feminine leadership opportunities and all of this kind of stuff. And like sound healing. I mean, anything that you want exists in Tel Aviv. So um, now I make sure that like I'm I'm just as nourished as so that I can keep hosting these spaces because it was um, yeah I was very very imbalanced and I do think that um, part of this like new kind of like community leadership it's not just about um, creating a space for others, but it is about really like, um, it's like, it's being a part of the process. Like you are also part of the creative process. And if you don't feed yourself, like you can't feed anyone else. Um, and of course, like, I mean, I could tell you like the darker story, which is like, you know, I was forced to slow the fuck down because I was hosting this event and, um, I basically like passed out a couple of days before and then I blacked out. And then like mm-hmm. after the event, I realized I had a concussion and it was just like, like if you don't slow down on your own, your body's going to force you to slow down. And yeah, may, may no one have to experience that if they don't have to being a leader, you have to, I mean, like being in a leadership role, you have to, you have to balance yourself first. You can't always be doing for others. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope that people, take the, the hints that their bodies give them and actually listen instead of feeling like they need to, you know, keep, keep up with everyone else, um, mm-hmm. find their own balance. Does this, does this make sense? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. What, um, yeah. What are the ways that you keep yourself feeling 
nourished and, and balanced in terms of like the giving and the receiving of connection and love in your life? Sure. First, I also just want to share that how challenging it is, and this is my experience and many of the women that I speak to's experience, um, how challenging it is to actually receive. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's just, we're not, it's not in our nature. We're so taught to give, 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 give. Like receiving is a challenge. Like it requires effort. Um, so I guess the, the ways that I'm, the ways that I kind of find my, my nourishment is, um, I don't know, like taking hibernation mode when I need to and doing lots of writing and reading for myself on my couch, like for my soul. Um, I also love trying new things. So going to a new yoga class or a sound healing or a dance class or a movement class or a writing class or um, I'm always trying something new that like kind of also just feeds and expands my mind. And, and, uh, I love also seeing how facilitators facilitate their, their sessions. I also think that like, I was so busy, like building this community that I also reached a point where I, I wasn't like spending time with my own, my own people and like the people that I love. So I'm definitely in a state of like prioritizing, um, small my my small nucleus around me and my family and um, making sure that I'm spending time with them and um, celebrating life with them I think just making sure that I'm like listening to my body too because you know there's times when I want to be out and about but my body is like no girl sit your ass down <laughs> you're beat. like just chill out um mm-hmm. so I think it's also like this ongoing conversation with my body and and listening to her um and trusting that like when i'm when i need to move to ecstatic dance class i move when i don't i sit um so it's also just like this ongoing conversation with myself in like what do i need right now you know do i need to move do i need to be around people do i need to be by myself do i need to be reading do i need to be uh you know i don't know um so yeah constant conversation and like what I need to nourish myself. Yeah. And that's something that takes so much just practice. And I think a lot of people hear this type of stuff around paying attention to your body and doing what your body needs. And it like sounds so lovely, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, what the F does that mean? Like, how do I know what my body wants? And, um, which is like totally fine if anyone is listening to this and is in that boat. Um, But yeah, just something that like takes so much practice. And I remember maybe only just like a year before I moved to Israel, I started working with a coach and she was like teaching me basically how to be in my own body. And it was so foreign to me and it was excruciating. Like I didn't know what the hell she was trying to get me to do. And it was frustrating. And I was like, I don't want to be friends with my body. Like I was just fighting with my body my entire Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really a practice. And now it's very intuitive to me and makes so much sense. And like everything you're saying, I'm like, duh, it's so obvious, but Mm -hmm. it definitely was not for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's it's all a process. It's like a never ending process, but that's also kind Mm -hmm. of like the beauty of, of this work and like these kinds of conversations is that like, you know, there's always another layer to unpeel. Like it's never going to end. And there's always something new to learn. Uh, But I think like, you know, it all starts with just like at least starting the conversation. Speaking of layers, what do you think, what feels like is your uh, current or next layer that needs to get unpeeled in your 
personal world or professional oh, world, wherever no. you want to take that question? Oh, my. Um, I guess <laughs> my personal and professional worlds are very um, blended. So mm-hmm. I don't really separate the two anymore. But I would say I'm working I'm working on two two levels. And actually um, this came up in our event last night, which is all is the first night of Chronicle last night. Um, so we really we uh, hosted a ritual which is all about kind of playing in between our darkness and our light. And um, so I really like the way that I operate also is kind of like playing with these extremes, you know, like I'm either 100% in or not in at all. And so I think, and I also think um, in terms of what you spoke about earlier in terms of comparison, um, I realized that like we exist, like we grew up in a grading system and this rating system. And so we always like are creating these measurements and these metrics for ourselves. So to me, it's like balance is kind of like a unicorn. Like it doesn't really exist, but as long as you know where you are in your own scale, then like that's helpful because at least it's like recognizing where you are and what you need. Um, so I think in terms of like my own scale, right, um, I'm really between like, I guess I'm between like control and surrender. And like mm-hmm. my latest kind of like my latest word is just like surrender. And that also speaks to like trust versus fear. Like I could either live in fear that this isn't going to happen and worry and concern, or I can live in trust um, and just like trust that whatever decision I make is the right one. And where I am, wherever I need to be. And my body knows what she's telling me. And like, even if I go against what I think she wants, like it's, still going to have its own like circumstances. Um, so I would say those are kind of like my two biggest things, like control versus surrender and trust versus fear. Mm, oh, that's so good. I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's juicy. That's good stuff. I'm curious <laughs> also like thinking about your journey with School of Shine and creating these spaces for people. When you first started, can you talk a little bit about that of like did you feel super confident of like, I am filling this very huge need in this city? Or did you feel like, I don't know what the F I'm doing just as much as everybody else? Maybe it was a whole lot of both of those things. Can you talk about that process a little? I think like hearing about the beginning of someone's journey is so important because we can oftentimes like when we hear about incredible things that people are doing, it's like, wow, that must have just been so great right from the start. And it definitely is never that. 100 <laughs> percent i think the beginning no i think the beginning of school of shine was like it, it first of all it was also like born from darkness and like depression mm-hmm. and breaking up and being out of a soul-destroying job and um so it was also just kind of like my own personal wake-up call um to take action to like take personal responsibility to choose how to live my life better and and like how I wanted to spend my time and who I wanted to spend my time with. I think those were all kinds of the questions that were coming up for me. Um, And in the beginning, I had no idea. um, I had no idea what I wanted. Also the first, the first like version of school of shine was called shine on movement. And um, like the intention was just to like get people to smile and I remember, I remember like really not being sure what to do, but knowing that I, I was really tired of hearing people complain 
all the time. And in Israel, like there's lots to complain about, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if you've ever been to, I mean, it's a beautiful, amazing place. I love every day here, but there's like, there's lots of things to complain about, but I was tired of being around those people. So I really wanted to like invite like bright, positive energy into my space. And I remember one friend was like, just choose something to do and like experiment. And um, I think like just the word experiment tapped into like how I've built School of Shine since then, because it was really like, I knew that if I just did something and the first thing that I really did was like this pop-up yoga thing. And I asked one of my favorite yoga teachers if he wanted to like do this thing with me. And I wanted to like just be on the middle of Ben Gurion Boulevard, which is a, a super popular boulevard in Tel Aviv. Um, and just do pop-up yoga. And I made a bunch of banana bread and I asked my some of my friends if they wanted to come help me. And like just as an opportunity for people to like do something different and, and have a moment of like relaxation amidst the chaos. And also like there weren't a bajillion yoga teachers back then. So it was like kind of a an invitation to try something new that you might not go to a specific class for, um, but maybe you could like find, you know, find something in there for yourself. So everything in the beginning was an experiment. And I knew I had no idea what what the shine on movement was going to be or what school of shine was going to be. But I knew that if I started it, then in 10 years, it would be something. And like, that was what mattered to me. And I, and, I mean, I'm still going through this process of like, evolution and tweaking and shifting. And I mean, I think like, I think that's also just the nature of today. It's like how quickly you can evolve and manage and adapt is, you know, that's, that's the nature of life. Um, and in the beginning, yeah, I think I also had like no idea. Um, I didn't believe back then that, you know, you could have like make a business out of doing something good. Um, and to be honest, like I'm still, I'm not making like bank from school of shine, but I also don't like my version of success is not find, like making money through school of shine. It's just through, um, like mental health and wealth and, um, like really just expanding hearts and creating smiles on people's faces and like inner strength. So, um, I think also, in the beginning, I was very much like, um, I felt like I needed to do what everyone else was doing. And I mean, to be honest, if I could tell myself one thing back then, like it would be like, just trust yourself and just do you. Um, because I also think that like, it took me a while to get there. I didn't like, I didn't have to do what everyone else was doing. And I shouldn't have done what everyone else is doing because that's what everyone else is doing not what I wanted to do. So yeah, I mean, even even today, tweaking, evolving and adapting with School of Shine. And I'm definitely more clear and more focused on like what matters to me and what my goals are. And um, we do have like some products coming out. And like, so everything is kind of finally reached a point of completion. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it took and it's it, and it will take like a long time, but it's a it's a long term game. It's not like I know that nothing magic doesn't happen overnight. Oh yeah, so much patience and perseverance. And I love that you said that of like experimenting. And it reminds me that like if you have a, an idea to do something that's going to bring good things to the world, then you should do it. And it is an mm -hmm. experiment, and it might fail, and you can keep doing it. You can keep trying. And yeah, I think so many people are just stopped by that fear of not 
wanting to fail and not wanting to mess up or of looking stupid, whatever. There are a million reasons to not try things. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think kept you from like from feeling that fear and deciding to keep moving forward? Which maybe like, yeah, as you're saying, you know, this is an evolving process. So maybe this is an everyday thing that you're experiencing of like there is self-doubt, there is fear and there is potential failure present every single day. But how do you move through that? I don't I don't consider failure mm-hmm. like I don't see something not going my way as failure. I just see it as life and like a lesson to be learned and then you shift. Um, so I would, I mean, if I, if I have to face a fear, then I would probably say like, I don't have a fear of failure. I have a fear of success. Um, Cause it's also mm. scary to like put yourself out there and, um, and, and yeah, like also in a world like in the startup nation, which is like very tech oriented and um, very like, you know, logical mind, rational mind. I mean, in this masculine mindset that we live in, pool of shine to me is it's kind of undefinable. And it's this like this feminine um, introduction to the holistic mind, body, spirit of things, which you can't put into a business plan sometimes. I guess in terms of like failure or success and the fear of, I think I'm not like thinking that far ahead. I think I'm just thinking about like the next steps that I need to take. Um, Mm -hmm. And also like, I think that experiments is a beautiful word because like it's really, you're just like gaining information about something that you're curious about. You're just, it's like a research, right? So um, I think that it's like just about being curious about what comes next and not like fearing it because knowing that whatever is on the other side is, is at least, you know, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. um, if you just avoid it or ignore it or like stay away from it, you're never going to know how to handle it and manage it and deal with it. But um, to me, even if it is, even if you call it like failure, um, then at least I know, and I can keep moving forward. Um, it's not like, but it's not something that I'm going to hide from or run from. Cause I also think that like life is about embracing that fear and like friending your fear and following that fear. Um, and that's kind of like, that's my mindset. It's like, if something is scary, then I'm, I'm probably going to do it. <laughs> yeah, run towards it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's also like how you feel alive and that's that's what life is, you know? Like what are we waiting for? Like nothing is get tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um so you look like an idiot. So what? Like everyone looks like everyone's an idiot. Everyone's weird, everyone's silly, everyone's strange. Like it's um that's like that's the beauty of it, you know? Like embrace it. Um Yes. Yeah. How has this changed the way that you like, again, as a person who you knew you were craving this, this type of connection and these deeper conversations, and then you're creating it for other people all this time. How has it changed the way that you are connecting with strangers or like the way that you view yourself in a crowd, something like that? How, how has it changed you like intrapersonally? Mm, It's a beautiful question. I think that really wherever I am and whoever I'm with, I'm I'm very present. Um, And I'm always aware of my body. And I also know that there are specific times 
to be open and there are specific times to be closed and there are mm-hmm. specific circumstances um, where I don't want to talk to one to anyone on the street and there are specific circumstances where I want to dole out smiles and sunshine. Um, so I also, again, think that it's like, it's just like knowing where I am and what I need and what I feel. Um, and I also realize like, that I'm, I enjoy living in the space between. So I'm also like a writer um, and I love telling stories. So I really like, I love like the observational part of life. I love just taking everything in and just like walking around and just looking up and down and over and up and kind of like tapping into like all of this beauty that exists around us that many people forget to pay attention to and so I'm very like observant in that way but then I also realize that like being an observer is not the same thing as as experiencing something or embodying Mm -hmm. something so I have definitely like um like that's kind of me embracing my fear and like stepping in and you know like you know you don't just walk by a song circle you like go in sing use your voice like get get involved, like dance around, like wander, um, play. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of, I kind of always exist in this space between and this balance. I'm like playing with, with the opportunities available. Also, I mean, in Tel Aviv, it's, in Tel Aviv, it's rough to be like smiley and out all the time because then like everyone will have a conversation with you. And that's also like, not. Nah, I can't, I cannot. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm very aware that, you know, I like being an analyzer and an observer, but there also is a point where I need to play and I need to be there and I need to experience it for myself in order for like, you know, really to like embody this feelings and and to see what life is like. So um, yeah, I think I'm like, I live in the space between. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of just like Tel Aviv is such a unique city because there's so there is so much life in that city, just more than anywhere I've ever been. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's funny that you're talking about being an observer because of just sitting at a cafe on the street and like watching people is I'm not a huge people watcher in general, but in Israel, like I could do that all day long. And when I am in Israel, like I will spend like, a couple days a week just like sitting for a few hours at a cafe and watching people because there's just oh this like extraordinary life force in that city it's so beautiful yeah but I, I like what you're saying in terms of like being able to observe life and ecstasy and joy and the the dirty and the messy like the whole real spectrum of humanness and then there's also like being willing to get in the dirt with the people mm-hmm. and to be in the ecstasy with the people. And it's not just about finding comfort and acceptance and looking it in the eye, but of really like getting into it and embodying it. It is, they are different levels. It takes two different pieces of ourselves for sure. Yeah. And it's also like, um, it's not even just two different pieces. It's like, there's so many layers and there's so many um, faces and there's so many different pieces of us. And it's also being okay exploring that. Um, and also knowing that like, tomorrow is not going to be the same as today. And tomorrow, like, maybe I'm not going to want to do eight random acts of kindness or pick up litter or whatever. But like, you know, so it's also knowing like, it's just it's knowing that like life is fluid and it's flow and there's ups and there's downs. And there's days where like, you're going to feel well, I'm going to feel like extra bitchy, like don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. That's, That's like the Jersey girl in me. 
or just like the, the woman who needs to protect herself or doesn't want to be approached. Um, and then there's, you know, there's like the extra kinds, like I want to help a stranger or, you know, I see someone in need, like, let me, I have time to go help them or, um, or there's like the, I don't know, like I actually use like last year for Purim as a good example. There's like a whole week of celebration for Purim. And I remember last year I was like, I wanted to play with these different sides. So every day I dressed up as something different. So one day I was like a sunshine. One day I was like, like a sexy bitch. One day I was like um, a superhero. One day I was like a, a gypsy woman. Um, so I, I like I, I just think it's about playing with these different sides and and exploring that and not um, following your curiosity, following what piques your curiosity and, and and listening to it and not like running from it or feeling shame or guilt about it, but like accepting that these are pieces of yourself that you're curious about and you want to play with and that's okay yeah I was actually just reading something yesterday about um oh gosh what was I reading it in oh I was reading have you read um Priya Parker's The Art of Gather or Why We Gather The Art of Gathering what is it called the art, uh, I really really want to but it's on my list yeah well I, I just finished it yesterday fucking phenomenal highly recommend mm-hmm. to anyone who is interested in, ga- in creating gatherings and um she was talking about how like gatherings are a beautiful opportunity for us to get to know different sides of ourselves. And she was talking about how she interviewed a woman who's a dominatrix in New York city mm-hmm. and um, how that like might seem like it's unrelated to this type of stuff, but that, yeah, when we're allowing ourselves to explore these darker, more taboo things that otherwise don't get to come out into the daylight and um, we allow ourselves to experience that, then like we're doing our shadow work, mm-hmm. which is very much like a Jungian term if people are not familiar with that. Um, but yeah, like we're allowing ourselves to explore all those pieces of ourselves that we have disowned. And I love that on forum, you decided to dress up as all these different pieces of who you are. Cause yeah, they're all there and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of pulling them out one by one and getting to play with each of them. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be something that we're scared of. It can be something that, that we play with again, mm-hmm. it's like the exploration, that experiment. Um, of course it is scary though. Because, you know, we grow up in a very specific way and this is your should, this is what you should do and this is what you should be and this is your little box, right? This is the box that we're placing you in. But like, I mean, even today, it's like people ask, what do you do? What don't I do? You know, right. it's, like, it's hard to just like put myself into one LinkedIn label. Um, and I'm, I'm also like, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like I need to do that. So I also play with that answer, too. Um, you know, some days I just feel like being a writer. Some days I'm a creative catalyst. Some days I'm like a gypsy queen of goddesses. Like, I don't know, you know, just it doesn't have to be so linear. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yesterday someone asked me, like, he was like, what field are you involved in? And I like, again, yeah, I also just I hate these questions about mm-hmm. work and defining ourselves in that way. And I told him, I was like, I'm in the field of feelings. He was like, so you're a psychologist. <laughs> I'm like, No. That's great. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I, and like you, I was, I'm like, I'm just going to try on a different word every time and mm-hmm. see how it feels to me. Yeah. Cause yeah, there are so many ways to describe what any of us do mm-hmm. um, and the ways that we're providing the, to the world. Yeah, it's true. And I also, like, I even realized, you know, like, like I mentioned those three questions that you get asked um, in Israel, like, where are you from? What are you doing? And why are you here? And I also realized that like, if you get um, the same questions and you give the same answers, you're kind of like sticking yourself into your own story. 
and like you're not allowing yourself to expand. So, you know, it's like this, the language that we speak to others um, is the language that we speak to ourselves, too. So I think it's like also worthy of of playing around with it. And, you know, also my favorite thing to say now is when people ask me where I'm from, I'm like, where are you from? Like, where am I from? I don't know. I was born in Israel. I grew up in New Jersey, but I live in Tel Aviv. Like, where am I from? Like my mother's womb. That's where I'm from. Yes. Yeah. And allowing I what I love about giving different types of answers to these boring ass questions is Mm -hmm. allowing people to or the like allowing the question asker to explore the different types of ways that one might answer that question and to catch them off guard a little bit. And though that's not really the point, but to show them like, I consider this question differently than maybe everyone else you've ever asked. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just allowing them to explore that with you of like, where, where are any of us from? How do we, how do we want to define that? Maybe it doesn't, isn't going to be defined in the hospital that I was born in. Um, but it's going to be defined by where I most consider home, even though that's even that might only be somewhere that I've lived for only six months. Um, but yeah, there's all these different ways to answer shitty questions and it's really up to us yeah. to figure out how we want to do that. Yeah, it's true. I do. Like, I don't, I also, I don't want to like, well, no, some people just ask you where you're from and, and aren't listening to the answers, but I do think that like, these are like the basic questions that kind of like open up a conversation. So sure. I do also like note and like honor that, but I do think it's important to just like, you know, just pay attention to how like we're answering these questions too, because I don't know, it's like if, if you're saying the same things over and over again, like, what do you want to change? Like play around with it. Um, yeah, that, that's, it just makes life more fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we need fun. Um, beautiful. Well, I want to wrap this up in a moment, but, and I want to ask you, um, like a short fire round of questions that I've been asking all my guests so far, but before I do that, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find more information about you and school of shine and all the amazing things that you're creating in the world. Thank you, Kyla. It was such a great conversation and thank you for creating this space also and for the work that you do. Um, thank you. I can be found at schoolofshine.com on Instagram, on Facebook. Yeah, my name is Zoe Flame. I also do spoken word poetry. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can probably find me on YouTube. Um, But yeah, schoolofshine.com for all of exciting things that are happening. And there's lots of exciting things that are happening. Yes. Yeah. If you're ever in Tel Aviv, then you've got your work cut out for you in terms of good things to, to check out. It's true, but also we're we're expanding from Tel Aviv. So anywhere you are in the world, um, you can you can get get a little shine rained on you. Yeah, we have oh. to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so a few questions for you here before we close out. The first one: What is something that most people assume about you? What is something that most people assume about me? Um, Probably that I'm like a Jap. <laughs> really? Yeah. Can you define that for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what uh, it is? A Jewish American princess because I'm from New Jersey and I'm and I have like an American accent and I'm like, you know, like I'm like a basic Jewish looking girl. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's my biggest pet peeve because I'm like not 
a jab. But um, but yeah, Jewish American princess. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> that's funny. It, what is, what do you think is like the more um, accurate way to define like your Jewish slash Israeli slash American identity? Like if you could throw another word onto that, which might be a very hard request for me to ask right now. But do you think like, is there another way you'd rather be defined or you're like, fuck that, I don't want to be defined at all? Um, yeah, I find it, I, I find labels really, I, I'm going to just say like undefined or like a little bit of everything or like mm-hmm. global citizen or just like human. I'm just a human. <laughs> Everyone leave me alone. I'm just a human. I'm just a yes. freaking human. Beautiful. Um, what is something that you would like to be acknowledged more for? Hmm. Acknowledged more for. Hmm, that's a great question. My book collection, I have really amazing books and I think that everyone should borrow them and read more and then return them. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's a good, if I could see your book collection, I would definitely acknowledge it. I'm a big, big reader. I really like it. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think most people learn from you? So be more comfortable being themselves, I hope. Hmm. And last question, what is one of your favorite questions to ask other people to help you to get to know them? I'm really bad at speed rounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, I love what, what is my favorite question to ask people? Um, I like asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. That also that like, I, I mean, I normally ask adults that question. Yeah. What's an answer you've gotten to that that sort of surprised you maybe? um, Well, a lot of people like just don't, a lot of people admit that they don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) It's like finally when we're grown up, we can admit that we don't know what we want to be when we grow up. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know what's going on. Oh, amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here, Zoe, and for connecting all the way across the beautiful earth. I'm feeling grateful for technology right now that allows us to do this. And there's so much goodness in what you're bringing to Tel Aviv and to the rest of the world and how it's just creating ripple effects through the rest of the world and has definitely impacted me. And um, we'll put all of the links to all of the magical things that you're doing in the show notes. And thank you again so much for sharing yourself for this past hour. Thank you so much, Kyla. And I'm looking forward to also seeing the the beautiful ripples that you're creating in this world. And um, until next time. Until next time. All right, there you have it. Episode three. I hope you enjoyed it. And please take a look at everything that Zoe is doing, whether or not you are in Israel. Uh, There's so much beautiful stuff that she's putting out into the world and lots of ways to get involved with her mission if you're interested. So all of that is in the show notes. And I'm sending you tons of love. Thank you all so much for being here and for listening. It means so much to me. I really can't even tell you to, to hear that people are listening to this just makes me so jazzed. So Thank you again. I love you so much and I'll see you next week.